Hello, my name is Scott Dahl. Welcome to number two in my uh, podcast series, and hopefully you've watched the first one. They're going to build on themselves, and Bensi, I'll give you an idea of what I think is going to happen with the market. And uh, I think it's it's important uh, that I communicate this to my clients because um, I think currently everybody's too myopic. They're looking at the short-term events without an eye for the longer-term events, which I think has a lot of predictability into what we're going to see and what we're going to experience with our money. So let me give you a little bit of a background, as I did in the last presentation. I'm an investment advisor. I've been Series 7 licensed for a little over 40 years. I'm a chartered market technician, which is the highest accreditation you can get in the field of technical analysis. I was the 291st person to earn this in 2001. I thought I would add something that, uh, which was a really interesting part in my development. I was 23, so I was fresh out of school. I was in a commodity futures office. It was a small office, and I was actually, it was me. Uh, and a chart book, and it had a quote screen, a rudimentary quote screen, nothing like we have now, and um, a push button it was, and a direct line to the floor, a phone line to the floor, and then I had a um, a squawk box, which would give me an idea of what the trade was happening on the floor at that time. So that's all I had were these tools, and you'd get this chart book once a week, and or once every other week, whatever you could afford, and you would just continue it out, by hand at certain different commodities that you wanted to trade. And I had a, so I was in a small office. It was a town of 800 people. It was a, it was a very intense learning experience. And the reason for that was I had a very large pork belly trader. I mean, really big, for, and particularly for somebody my age. And, and um, so there was a lot of risk um, on me because the in that business, 80% of the people that trade commodity futures, they lose uh they lose their money in three months. So that was stacked against me uh, as a uh, commodity futures broker. It was a very good learning experience because it taught me how to manage risk. That's the most important thing when you're managing money because risk management is uh, paramount. If you lose the money, you, you have nothing, no capital to, to bring your account back around. So the back to what I was doing. So it was just me and a chart book. And I, the, this man, he was, uh, he was a very big pork bellies trader and pork bellies are 70 pound green slabs of bacon and at the time one contract represented 38,000 pounds they called it a contract that you could buy and sell trade they also called it a car and the reason they called it a car is because 38,000 pounds is what would actually fit in a train car uh, now they, they I believe it's 40,000 pounds because they they standardized it with the other meat uh, cattle and, and hogs and so forth. So that was difficult to trade. And the reason it was difficult to trade is because there was relatively little commercial interest. And what I mean by that is the commodity futures were set up in Chicago and then they branched out to other cities um, for uh, farmers and, and, and producers to sell their production in the future. Hence the futures market, which is a synonymous with the commodities market. And there wasn't a lot of so so you had this you had this um, commercial interest which added volume and added participation in in that in those particular markets. Well, there wasn't a lot of commercial trade in pork bellies, so it was more of a speculative endeavor. And the, why, the reason people liked to trade pork bellies, you know, you always hear that as being this maximum risk, and it really truly was. And the reason people like to trade pork bellies is because the price has moved. And the more the price moves, the more money that you can potentially make in a short period of time. So this gentleman was a very active pork belly trader. There was a lot of risk. 
be, uh, because it's a it's a margin when you trade commodities. It's a margin proposition. You, you you put a little bit down, you control a lot of money. So if it goes against you, you have to bring more money in, or you have to fold the position. They you you have to sell, or this, the the firm sells you out. And then who gets stuck with that uh, massive debit? Well, it's usually the the, the rep, the investment advisors, or, or the, excuse me, the commodity futures broker. So that's where I was, and I. Um, had to learn how to use the charts. And that's when I first realized that you can use charts to recognize price pattern and extrapolate it into the future. Now, nobody can predict the future, obviously. It's, it's, but uh, Erasmus said that in the land of the blind, a one-eyed man is king. And, and so if you have a little bit of an edge that can hopefully put you above the remaining portion of the market, then you stand a better chance from a probabilistic standpoint of um, of having fun, uh, investment success. So there's a lot that goes into investing money. And what I'm going to give you is I'm just going to give you some basics here. These podcasts will build on themselves and then eventually uh, we'll, we'll get around to some, some idea of what's going to happen in the future. So and this is a real critical time. I mean, you've got uh, inflation, you've got interest rates knocking, uh, knocking on our door. Uh, we'll look at that. We'll discuss what could potentially happen with inflation and rates going forward. I mean, this is a very, very volatile time. It's a very, um, it's going to be a very challenging market going forward. Uh, in my opinion, the um, time of buying and holding for 10, 12, 13 years, it's just not here right now, unfortunately. Uh, and it won't be for a while. So I'm sorry to tell you that. But on the other hand, um, if you're working with somebody that's qualified, that, can, that understands price movement, then you would probably stand a better chance of having investment success. So what I do for my clients is I, I take on a very select clientele. I I've, uh, take very few clients at this point, truthfully. Uh, and the reason is, is because I, I want to make sure that I have the, cap the capability of doing the absolute best job for each and every client that's in my book of business, because that's my, that's my job. And, and um, the, so it's got to be a perfect fit if there is such a thing. It's got to be a, a very, very good fit. Let me put it that way, that um, we have to have the same philosophy regarding money. We have to have, uh, I have to make sure that I can uh, help them, I mean, that they're in the position where I can actually give them as much benefit as possible. Let's get into uh, what we discussed last time. We discussed trend. Now, remember, I'm keeping this uh, very um, simple, I guess would, would be the word. I'm focusing on nothing but price. Price is how you make money. There are other a lot of other tools that go into analyzing the price uh, in, in adjunct with just looking at the price. You've got volume of trading activity. A volume is important. The volume of the trading at certain levels, which would give you an idea of where the support and resistance is in the market. And I'm going to define support and resistance. That's the main thrust of this presentation. And then uh, we'll go ahead and, and continue to build on that in, in future podcasts. So in the last podcast, what, what I did is I defined trend. So trend is the most important thing. There's the adage that the trend is your friend. And you have to follow the trend in order to make money and not lose money because you want to go in the direction that the market is going. The market doesn't always go up. It doesn't always go down. Sometimes it even goes sideways, and sometimes it's hard to discern what the current trend is, but that's incredibly important if you want to be on the right side of the market. So what I have up here is a chart that I had given you last time around, which is a chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Now, I just pulled this 
certain period of time for demonstration purposes and no other reason other than that. I just want to make the caveat that what we're talking about here is, is speculation. And, you know, speculation is a scary word, but if whether you're a, a long-term investor, a short-term investor, regardless of what you invest in, you are speculating that you're going to make money in the future. Or you're speculating on future price movement. Now, yeah, the stock market is the example. It goes up over long periods of time. We're more productive as a, um, an economy uh, where because co corporate corporations are more productive and, and that's what gives the stock market an upward bias. However, it doesn't always go up. If you take a look at this chart, this is a chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's a short period of time. It's half of 2022 and it's, it's the better portion of 2023, but this is an uptrend. And how do I know this is an uptrend? Because it has higher highs followed by higher lows higher highs followed by higher lows, and here's a higher high followed by a higher low. How do I define a trend? I draw a trend line from the uh, major low, and I connect the other lows, which create a line of support. I shared this chart with you last time as well. This is a downtrend. So this is about a year and a half of data, and you can see that it is in a downtrend. It's lower. It's a lower bottom followed by a lower top, that continues, well, not here, a little bit higher here, but it uh, rapidly turned down and went lower. And then how do I define the downtrend on a visual basis so we can all see it? We draw a line across the top. So if it's going up, we draw a line across the bottom. That's the support area. If we go down, if, we, if we're going down, we draw lines across the top, and that's the resistance area. And then you see it broke out here, but it came right back down in, so it did not have enough strength to continue the trend higher. So we are once again below our trend line in, in the downtrend. And this is the, again, the ch chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and this is the third trend that I had demonstrated last time. And what this is is a sideways trend. Now, when you have a sideways trend, you can't draw lines across the bottom because it's not up. You can't draw a line across the top because it's not down. It's sideways, so you have to draw two lines. You have to draw a line on the bottom and a line on the top. This is a Dow Jones Industrial Average. This is a longer period of time. It's from 1980, 1980 and here's 1982, and then up to, uh, um, which I, I started in the business right here. And then, anyway, so it, I ran, it ran through this trend for uh, a long, very long period of time and then broke out higher. And remember, we can apply these general principles to uh, any type of market. So this is really important. This is two different types of trends, and they, they, will, they actually fit together uh, in the process. And um, the, the, you have a secular trend and you have a cyclical trend. And I've got the definition written here. A secular market is a market that is driven by forces that could be in place for many years, causing the price of a particular investment or asset class to rise or fall over a long period. A cyclical market is a shorter term market movement that occurs in a larger market trend. So let's break that down and explain it. We have long term trends that go on for long periods of time. And it's, it's, if you think about the market again, it's a mass, it's a psychological mass. And, and it's driven, it's driven by what, what people believe that that asset's worth at that specific time. That's everybody that's in that market that's buying and selling it. The underlying force of this psychological, these psychological beliefs is, um, is what's going on in the economy or, and, and, and what's going on with corporations that are actually being represented in the market by these shares of stock. And so 
that, that's why we're seeing such significant volatility right at this present time is because you've got, well, there's a lot of reasons for the for volatility, but you've got a couple of wars going on. You've got the uh, Federal Reserve moving interest rates. You've got uh, a lot of a lot of reaction to that, which is creating this extra volatility. That's noise. So let me explain this. So the Charles Dow, who uh, was, I guess, one of the fathers of technical analysis, he came up with what was called a wave theory. And, and, more, and he actually, believe it or not, he sat at, uh, on the beach and he watched waves move. And he decided that the, the tide was the secular trend, the waves were the cyclical trend, and then the ripples in the rocks at the end of the water was the noise. So a secular trend is a long-term structural trend. It can run for years, and it does. they do typically run for years. A cyclical trend is a smaller-term trend running inside this long-term secular trend. That's how Charles Dow came up with, with, with his wave theory. And, and so we have these patterns, and, and a mass, no matter what type of mass it is, it typically continues in the same direction unless it's somehow interrupted. So you have these long-term secular trends that could go on for years, and then inside it you have these cyclical trends. The way I like to describe this is uh, a, a man going up on an escalator, and he's got a yo-yo. So the escalator is going higher, and the yo-yo is going up and down. And so the escalator is the secular trend, and the yo-yo is a cyclical trend. So you can have these long-term trends last for years, but inside it, you can have these shorter-term trends that um, could last for two or three years. You could have a 20-year secular trend and then shorter-term trends up and down that could last for two or three years, as an example. And then you've got noise. And what noise is, is short-term volatility that means absolutely nothing when it comes to predictability. So what's happening is I think people have a tendency to focus on the here and now because we're here now. And, and so they focus on the noise and they lose the sight of the, not only the cyclical trend, but most, more importantly, the secular trend. This, so this is a chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average from 1915 to pretty much current day. What, what direction is that trend going? Well, the trend's going higher. So this is why long-term buy and hold will no guarantees of any future movement. But that's why this will typically work over time because even though we go through these periods, long, could be long-term periods of no performance, eventually it does go higher. So you can see that if you would have bought in 1915, you would have gone through this major move here, which was the depression, but you would have still come out the other side, providing your companies you're in didn't go bankrupt. Uh, anyway, the, you see my point. So longer term, the market goes higher. This is a long-term secular uptrend in the market. So now we'll get into support and resistance. This is, this is an excellent chart to demonstrate support and resistance. And what this is, is this is a very important part, point in history, uh, which is the 1965, you see it down here, to 1985 period. Uh, this, this is a, and I'll, I'll demonstrate that in future podcasts, why this is so important to us at this current time. But this is going to demonstrate, again, support and resistance. And you can see that the support is down here, right here, where my arrow is. That was a significant area, and I, uh, there was a lot of selling and a lot of buying in there that put that bottom in. We can't see the volume of activity on this particular chart, but I could almost guarantee you that that volume was huge, and that's what set this this point in, and that's where we have our support for this 25-year uh, cycle. Up here, excuse me, secular trend, up here is resistance. So you can see that we hit this price area, one, two, three, 
We almost went through it, but came back down four, five. Five times we hit this resistance area. So I'm going to put a line right through here, and you can almost bet that if it comes up again, it bounce, it's going to bounce off this. This is a, There's a lot of supply. What I mean is supply of stock. There's a lot of sellers, not, uh, not enough buyers to push it through. But then what we do is we get down here and we break through. So a mass stay, a market's a psychological mass and a mass stays in that trajectory or that direction. This, this happened to be sideways for a long period of time. And then when something moves that mass, what happens is it breaks out and it starts a new trajectory. So that mass is going higher. Typically what happens is you'll come down and you'll test the old resistance level. You don't have to, but you typically will. They call that kissing the trend line goodbye, but we're not seeing that here because the move is so strong and powerful. This is very, very important. This resistance area, it now becomes support. So where there are a bunch of sellers now, if it comes back down, hits this line, you're looking for a bunch of buyers to confirm that we're started in a new direction. And we were started in a massive new direction. This is the start of the 1982 to uh, uh, 2000 uh, bull market, which was enormous. It was an enormous move. And uh, that's it went higher from here. So now we're back to, um, to my long-term chart again. Well, this is data from 1915 to almost current day. And you can see the support and resistance areas in this chart. So, this is the depression where we're sell off in, in uh, the modern history of the stock market. Remember, we're looking here at the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So we came out up from the depression. We hit a significant area of resistance, came back down, just kind of messed around down here for what, seven years, eight years? And then we came up here and we started rolling again. We, so we broke through the resistance once, didn't make it, came back down in, and they just kind of bounced off of it, kept getting, we kept coming into this area here, this red line, and, and there was heavy supply. And what I mean by that, there were a ton of sellers on this red line for what was another six years, five or six years. Then we broke out, didn't retest it. Don't always have to retest a, 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 a resistance area. Remember, resistance turns into support once you break through it. Don't always have to uh, retest it, particularly in a strong market. You you don't retest it. You can. You usually do, but you don't have to. And then we took off higher. And then here's the example that I had just shown you, the 66 to 82 period. And it's uh, obviously smaller here because we're grabbing a lot more data. Uh, here's a uh, here's a more current. You can see that we had a significant resistance and a breakout. Let's let's scratch that. Let's just stop that right here. And so you can see that it. This is the area that we were looking at earlier. It was blown up. Now it's more data, so it's smaller. But you can see the breakout of the resistance area, and you can see it subsequently being support. The bigger the base, the bigger the move. That could be either way, on the upside or the downside. So that's it. That's the end of number two. Um, thank you very much for staying with me, and um, I'm looking forward to uh, the third presentation because now I'm going to start getting into more of what's going on currently and give you an idea of what I believe the setup is, not only for uh, the short term, but for the longer term in the market. Again, the market participants, the analysts, the research, anybody that you're, you're watching right now or reading or listening to, it seems like they're too myopic. So I'm going to give you an idea of a longer term view, which I think is going to uh, give us some, some predictability going forward of what's going to happen short term, intermediate term, and then longer term as well. So I look forward to 
uh, seeing you next time. And you can always contact me if you have any other questions. You, it's, it's Scott at dollcapitaladvisors.com. That's D-O-L-L-C-A-P-I-T-A-L, uh, advisors with an O. Uh, that's Scott at dollcapitaladvisors.com. You can go to my website, which is dollcapitaladvisors.com. Um, you can call me, 949-497-6366. I'd be happy to take a look at your portfolio and uh, and see if it's if it's really designed to meet your objectives, particularly now in this volatile time. 